0: If you have a Bible nearby, let's turn to the book of Second Peter, the third chapter. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to get to it in a little bit, uh, I want to, in, just in trying to discern for tonight, you know, which way to go, uh, I used to think before I was uh, a pastor, um, I used to think that like Christmas and Easter were like the easiest jobs for a preacher because you'd... you'd knew what you were going to preach about already. It's kind of assigned, you know, assigned to preaching or whatever. Um, and then when I got into it, I realized that it's it's not really that way, you know, um, that that the Spirit of God wants to us to continue to learn through the season of Advent and uh, through the season of Lent, uh, you know, going toward Christmas and toward Easter and toward those things. And um, I guess I, I realized through me thinking that for so long, that maybe I just kind of checked out every Christmas season and every Easter season, because I think there was a a part of me just thought like, okay, I I know that already, you know, I understand uh, the nativity scene, I understand what happened and all that kind of stuff, and uh, I think there was a part of me that for a long time wasn't very open to learning more and desiring to know more about the significance of those events, because I kind of thought that that was sort of, um, for someone like me who grew up in church, like like I kind of knew all that already, and... um, as I began to to transition into ministry and then into pastoring uh, great revelations as far as like how little I really knew about these seasons and these times of year and and uh, just the depths that are there, and that year after year we should be coming to these these same ideas yet yet diving more deeply into them. you know um, heaven forbid there' ever be a time where we 're not moved by the incarnation of Christ or the uh, the Uh, sacrifice of Christ at the cross and those kinds of things. And so um, we come to this time every year, and I just think there has to be an openness where we are approaching things saying, okay, I I know the narrative story. I want to know the depths of what God has for us in this time. I don't want to ever get to the point where I just kind of check out. Um, And so something that's been very helpful, I believe, for us as a congregation is uh, is going through the season of of advent in in ways that we're hope are hopefully you know responsible and uh ways that we're we 're trying to really let God just teach us and disciple us and show us these things and that we 're humbling ourselves in the process and um, and so uh advent uh, i i think for in for some it advent just sounds like the more a more like spiritual way of saying christmas you know um, but it 's not it 's a, a time of the Christian year where we are preparing for the arrival of the messiah uh, it 's a it 's a season of getting ready for something um, that's the, the word advent means arrival it's it's often used uh, like in biblical times especially for the arrival of a king um, and so i don 't know if you've ever been uh, I, I know we don't i know that our president here is not our king but it's you know, close. I don't know if you've ever been around uh, in a city where the president is coming to town, but um, it's a huge deal, you know, like there, it's it's just unbelievable the kinds of things that go into place as far as security and protocol and those kinds of things, just, just for uh, the president to come in, maybe make a speech or have a meeting or something and go back out. Um, when, I know that uh, both of the George Bush presidents have been to LSU for different things, and it was they just shut down the whole city. One time, Bush uh, 44, which is the most recent one who was president. I get their numbers mixed up. Um, he, uh, he came in just for like to speak at a fundraiser for like 15 minutes, and they shut down the entire interstate from the airport all the way over to like by Blue Bayou. Some of you might remember this. And the whole city just had to stop just so he could like fly, uh, fly inland, drive all the way over there, do his thing and come back. And nobody could get on the interstate for hours, and the entire city was just furious. I mean, it was like... Just the most like, the like road rage that day was unbelievable. And then they found out why, and it was just even worse. And um, and so if it's just a really big deal, and it's not just the fact that like, hey, the president is coming here. There are are weeks and probably months, and there's so much preparation that comes before the actual arrival. And so Advent, that's what Advent is. Advent is all the preparation that's, that's happening, laying the groundwork, getting ready for the actual arrival. So Advent goes all the way up until Christmas Day. That's what we're, we're waiting for. It's all the anticipation and there's Christmas Day, and that's the big thing. That would be that, That's when the President shows up. And now what we're doing is weeks of getting things ready for him. And so for a president here in town, it's, it's all about security and making sure that he's safe and all those kinds of things. For us, it's a preparation of the heart and of the mind. Um, it's recognizing that this is a significant thing that is happening. And you don't want to be like, caught off guard. It's too important to just kind of like halfway go through it. Um, and so that's what Advent is, is about. And that's what we're doing. We're in this season now where we're preparing for uh, Christmas for the Christ mass, the worship of Christ that happens when he actually shows up. And so what I want to do is just kind of approach it from a sort of a timeline standpoint. Um, And uh, we're super high tech here. So uh, here's that. (laughs) For you podcasters, uh, I'll just let you wonder. Um, Okay, so I, I want us to create an imaginary timeline on the stage. All right. And we'll go from your left to write, so let's think of this as a timeline. It's moving this way, all right. Um, this Advent one, will will this will be the birth of Jesus. Okay, this is uh, Bethlehem. Uh, in the, no room for them in the inn. Born in a stable. You know, shepherds came. All that kind of stuff. That's this right here. Um, this one is going to be uh, Advent two. Will be the the second coming of Jesus, right? Forward in time uh, when uh, he comes back to get his bride, Alright, That's what this one is. Um, so, in order to understand Advent, we kind of have to go to this side of the timeline, all right? So, on this side of the timeline, on the left side, before the first Advent, if you go all the way back to Genesis, uh, you know, God makes everything and it's good and. Sin um, enters into the world through the actions of Adam. And um, from, like, when the, the curses of sin, basically, the, when God explains to them, because you did this, these are the, the curses, or really, these are the consequences. This is what happens now. Um, when he's explaining those things, it's, it's, he says that the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. that's the first time we get this sense that, like, okay, sin has broken everything, but something else is going to happen. So all the way back to just two people on the planet, uh, when everything got messed up, from that point all the way going this way, God begins to to, um, build, like, the anticipation for what's going to happen through this Advent. And so he doesn't go into a lot of detail, and it's kind of... It's kind of subtly in there, in the curses, because we tend to focus on the curse on Adam, the curse on Eve, the curse on the serpent, the curse on the earth, um, from sin. But he kind of works it in there. He's like, look, uh, this is all going to be dealt with. And so, from the very beginning, he's pointing forward to the fact that everything's going to be okay. Uh, kind of moves through the timeline. There's a promise given to Abraham that, uh, that through his lineage, uh, God will make him into a great nation and um, his name will be great, and we talked about this last week. That all the nations of the earth will be blessed through his through his family, and Jesus would come. Okay, Jesus would be born from that lineage, and so there's this promise that's looking forward. Um, he's looking at Abraham and saying, "You're not a great nation now, but your family will become a great nation, and through that, uh, all the nations will be blessed." And so that promise was passed to Isaac, and then to Jacob. Um, it keeps going forward. We see the prophets. We see Daniel uh, speaking forward to this. We see Isaiah speaking forward to this. We see Jeremiah speaking forward to this. Um, there is this, from, from the very beginning, all the way in Genesis 3, uh, we see all, everything pointed forward, pointing forward, through the promise. Everything is pointing forward, pointing forward. So everything on this side, all right, to the left of that first advent, um, is pointing forward to Jesus showing up. And they they didn't always call him Jesus, okay? They may not have been able to articulate all those kinds of things. But as it gets closer to that, as the timeline moves this way, there are more and more details that are revealed. So it starts off like really kind of vague with Adam and Eve, and then maybe a little more specific with Abraham. And as it gets closer, though, he starts saying like, uh, pay attention to Bethlehem, okay? That's going to be a really big deal. Um, He's going to be born in very unlikely circumstances, okay? Leave it at that. Uh, There's all kinds of things that are happening, and he gets more and more detail, more and more detail, and then there's like 400 years of nothing, really. God had been speaking through the prophets and doing all these things. He established Israel as a nation. He'd done all this stuff, and, and yeah, there had been problems, and they had been exiled and then brought back, and all these kinds of things. There's all this great story on this side of his first advent, and then there hits this point where there's just this big old gap, and he's not speaking through the prophets, and he's—I mean, it's not that he's not there, but there just isn't a lot of tangible evidence. And so they were kind of in a holding pattern. So in this holding pattern, in this holding pattern, and then uh, things started happening. And some of those prophecies started coming true, and people started to hear about it, and people kind of gravitated toward Jerusalem, because they were like, no, we know all the prophecies, we know everything, all the promises. We've been paying attention, and the, things, the signs that God said to look for are starting to happen. And so you see that after Jesus has been born... When they take him uh, to the temple, and you have Simeon. Simeon's there. It says that he had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And Anna was there, and she had been waiting for the kingdom of God because they had seen the signs, and they knew, like, okay, everything back here that had been promised, it's it's happening now. And so Advent is really, we have to look at this side of the timeline to understand Advent. So they're waiting and they're praying. And you read the Psalms, how many times it says, how long, oh God, are, are you going to delay? How long until you rescue us? Either from the immediate or from like, like redeeming Israel. Like how long are you going to wait? What's it going to take? There was a, this like kind of healthy frustration of being like, we know that you promised it. We don't know what you're waiting on, but we really need you to show up. That's what Advent is. Advent is awkward, you know. Advent is a little bit frustrating. Advent is um, its a time of where you're testing your patience a little bit. because You're like, no, I know He promised it, and I know He, he always keeps His promises, and it's going to be awesome. I want it to be awesome now. I don't want to have to wait. But yet, hundreds and hundreds of years of waiting and being faithful. And so, we learn a lot about Advent by looking at the Old Testament faithful saints and You're like, yeah, one day he's going to do this, and it's going to be awesome. And so you move forward, so Jesus is born, um, and everything that involves there. His life and ministry, he he begins to teach, saying the kingdom of God is here. You need to repent, you need to change the way that you think. There's now a new way of life available to you. Um, He begins to teach them about the denial of self, and what it means to take up your cross every day, and what it means to follow him. And he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he's saying, the world is upside down. I've come to set it right side up. And all these things are happening. He lives this perfect life, no sin at all, tempted in every way, just like you and me. Uh, and that's a, that's a literal thing, like in, internally, externally. He, he has been there. He's suffered through temptation, made it through without sin, lives this perfect life. Um, he tells his disciples, look, I've got to go. I'm going to prepare a place for you, which was a marriage custom. Um, whenever there was an engagement that would happen, the, the bride would go and wait at her house, and she would have her bridesmaids with her. And the groom would go, and he would build uh, an addition onto the family home for them. And sometimes that took a long time. And the bride would go, and she would just wait. And she would wait, and she would wait. Because her groom had made a promise that he was going to go prepare a place for them and then come back and get her. So Jesus has this dialogue with his disciples. He's like, I know you probably don't understand this, but um, I'm like the husband and you're like the bride. And so I'm gonna, I'm, we're engaged. All right, that'll make sense soon. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back for you. You just need to be faithful and just wait. And I'm going to go, but I have to go, I'm going to send the Spirit that's going to come, and you don't get this either, but He's going to like, live inside of you and empower you and do everything that, that the Father says to do, and it's going to be awesome, and so I'm going to go, and you just need to pray and wait and trust me. And so He goes, Pentecost happens, the Spirit comes, empowers the people, the gospel begins to spread, and from that point forward, they begin a new season of Advent. All right? This group over here had this Advent that was going this way and kind of focused on this. Now this group here, where we are, has a new season of Advent. We take all this into account and all that Jesus said and all that we know, and here we are in a place where... Um, If you're drawing this on your notes or whatever, just put like Christ in you. Let's call that, that's what this middle section is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is our current advent where we are now looking forward in the timeline for what happens here. And so what happens here is our groom comes back to get us. So we are the faithful bride waiting. We're waiting here in the middle. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think we'd all agree it's taken a lot longer than we would like but we're waiting. And one day there will be a notification that will happen. There will be a knock on the door, a trumpet that will sound. And we don't really know what this is going to look like either, but dude's coming back for us. And there's a lot of discrepancy about it. Will there be a thousand years of war and all this kind of stuff, whatever. If anybody ever looks, you, looks at you and says, this is exactly how it's going to happen, you need to thank them politely and just like filter it all out because nobody really knows what's going to happen here. Some paint a picture where you should be terrified of it. Some paint a a picture where it's not going to be that big a deal. Just focus on what we do know. Jesus is coming back for us, and everything's going to be fine. So he's going to come back, and he's going to claim his bride, and there's going to be a judgment that will happen where we'll stand before him, and the blood that he shed for you will be applied to you, and uh, God the Father will say, you don't deserve to come and live with me forever. Um, like, uh, you have not earned that, but my, the grace of my son has covered you, and he vouches for you. And, uh, and he, like, because of what he has done for you, he has made it so that you are adopted into my family. And so you should be an enemy of mine, but you're actually my son. You're actually my daughter. Come into the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the beginning. I knew this was going to happen, and I'm super pumped that you're here. It's not because of what you've done. It's because Jesus is awesome. Don't you agree? And you're going to be like, yes, I totally agree. And it's going to be amazing. He's going to say, come on in. um, Enjoy eternity with me. And so everything on this side of the timeline is us as the bride enjoying something completely new. That as a part of this second advent... He makes everything new again. That he takes what sin has broken and transforms it into something beautiful and pure and better. And so heaven is, I say this as often as I can, heaven isn't floating around in the clouds with a harp and a halo. Heaven is going to look like the earth except it's a new earth. And it's a new heaven. Uh, and everything that sin broke on this planet, Jesus will fix. And So everything about us that's busted and broken because of sin will, will be kind of just vacuumed out. And so our, our bodies, uh, we get sick, we grow older, and we, are, uh, we suffer from diseases and accidents and all these kinds of things, that's all because of sin. That will be vacuumed out. Um, We are constantly insecure. That will be vacuumed out. We're always comparing ourselves to others and trying to see where we stack up. That will be vacuumed out. Uh, We tend to be very prideful and self-reliant. That will be vacuumed out. Um, The the pains that you and I have been through and all those kind of things, and, all, and the, the baggage that we carry around because of that, that will be vacuumed out. Um, the, the sin that has led to abuse of children, sin that has led to human trafficking, sin that has led to uh, kids living in a train station in Calcutta, uh, those things all vacuumed out. Uh, you name it, everything terrible that sin has done will be completely vacuumed out and removed. And we will live forever on this new earth with Jesus, ruling over everything alongside Him, because He's super generous and awesome and invites us in. And uh, forever and ever and ever and ever, without an end, we are part of His family on His new earth, for His glory, forever. So, if you go all the way back to the beginning, when God told Eve that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent... That's what he's pointing forward to. It's that, yes. And it's the cross, and it's everything that happens here. And it's the the coming of making everything new, and the fact that forever, um, what sin has broken, Jesus will fix. Forever. So that's what Advent is. Advent is what happens over here, and it's what happens over here, and happens everything that happens until this. And once all this is complete... There is no Advent over here. There's no waiting over here. There's no longing. There's no how long, when, 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 when. There's none of that over here. But the truth is, we live right here in the middle. And it's a tough place to be. And Jesus knows that. You know, it's not lost on him. Uh, Advent is a time where we should be frustrated. Like, we should look around our world and say, this is not right. This is not how it should be. We should pray prayers that say, much like all throughout the Psalms, how long, O Lord, until you show up? How long do people have to, to get sick and die? How long can abuse continue? How long can addiction reign and rule over people's lives? How long can families be split up how long can some of these battles continue? How long, how long, how long? We should be praying those things during this time. It should, there should be this tension in us. And if that's where you are, then that's good. I don't feel like you're like, oh, I have apparently no faith. No, you have tremendous faith. Because you know what's coming. And you have hope. And sometimes hope makes you more frustrated. We tend to think that hope makes everything okay, but it doesn't. It actually kind of builds Something inside of us sometimes. Because if you didn't have hope, you'd be like, well, that's just the way things are. That's... Hope comes when you know, you know that it doesn't have to be that way. And that it won't always be that way, but it is that way now. We live in what what has been called the already, not yet kingdom of God. That Jesus shows up, brings in the kingdom, says all this is now available to you. Uh, it is available now. You don't have to wait until heaven to live In heaven, Uh, the kingdom is not just future, it's here, it's in the present, it's here now, Um, it's already here, but it's not yet fully here. And so we live in that, we're caught back and forth, you know. And so we have these choices where you're like, okay, I can engage in kingdom life now, um, or I can just wait until heaven. And Jesus looks at us as his sons and daughters and says, don't wait till heaven. That's not why I freed you. I freed you now so that you can live in it today. By living in it today, it makes a difference in the world around you. Um, so all that, everything, I just, all that timeline, all that stuff comes down to how do we do this well? You know? My brother Drew, he uses Advent as a verb. He says, how do we Advent well? Uh, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. This is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder... By reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Okay? Now that, there's some significance there, right? He's saying, "Like I'm reminding you, all right. It's the second letter I'm writing you because um, you don't need to forget this. Beautiful that Advent comes every year. It's by way of a reminder. Say, hey, don't forget, don't forget. Verse two, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Okay, that's that's back over here, right? The holy prophets. It's pointing forward, going back over here, saying, hey, don't forget what happens on this side." of uh, what they said, that they weren't just pointing to here, they were also pointing to here and to there. The holy prophets, through the Spirit, were looking way, way, way forward. You see, don't forget that. Um, verse 3, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. All right. Uh, that's what you'd expect scoffers to come with, I guess. Um, they're going to come with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, and it, basically he's... Uh, in this time, all right, uh, they really, they took Jesus very literally. And so when he says, uses all that marriage, you know, language and says, I'm coming, going to prepare a place for you. Um, it didn't take hundreds of years to build an addition onto the house. And so they, they really thought when he said, I'm coming back for you, that it was like in the next couple weeks. And so Peter's saying like, look, You're going to have some people that are going to come, and they're going to be mocking you because you're believing what these prophets said. You're believing these things that you've been told. You're holding fast to the promises, and people are going to think that's ridiculous. Uh, You just need to be not caught off guard by that. Um, Verse 4, they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. All right? So, that's you know, that's, that's intense a little bit. Um, what he's saying is like, look... They're gonna say, "Oh, God hasn't done anything," and he goes to two examples of like, "No, God's very active in human history." You know, remember when he made everything, and then he destroyed everything with the flood, and then he like built it all back up. So they're they're ignoring the fact that God is active. Okay, they're just choosing choosing to look the other way on it. You don't choose to look the other way on it. Your faith is not blind. In other words, look around you. He's moving. He's working. Just calm down. Um, Verse 8, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Alright? So, um, that's a... a, He's just really saying that the way that you and I experience time is different than the way God experiences time. Now, for us, a thousand years is a lot more than we're going to live. And for him, it's just... He sees it all at once. And so we're going moment by moment through this timeline and we're looking at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years here on the stage represented and God just looks at all of it as one thing. You know. So he's like, don't, don't try to make God into a man. Um, for, for him, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Verse 9, this is, and this is something that we need to be comforted by. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I want to read that verse again. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, what Peter is telling them is like, look, you need to, you need to understand the beauty of um, of the fact that this is taking a really long time. So you, you think that the Lord is slow as a human. You need to stop looking at it as slow and start looking at it as, man, this is more opportunity for people to see the goodness of our God. So it's a part of how we live in between these two advents It's holding on to that tension of like, I really wish He would come right this moment but the fact that he's not coming at this moment means that there are are more people that need to be reached. Living inside the kingdom gives us all these opportunities that there are are people that you work with and live around and um, maybe roommates, classmates, those kinds of things that, that God has this plan, and it seems really slow to us, but it's not slow to him, and he's being very, very patient, and he's giving us an opportunity as his church to go into all the world and to all the nations, and baptize them, and teach them. Um, and so really, it's, it's incredible patience on his part. Because don't you think that this, that God the Father is like incredibly pumped about this, and really pumped about all this. But yet he's being so patient, just letting it play out. And like, no man, more people being born, more people to reach, more people who don't know who I am. More people that are going to live with me for eternity, so you guys just be faithful where you are, and don't get frustrated to the point of sin, but be frustrated in a very holy way. and recognize that the way things are right now are not how they should be and not how they will be, but it's how they are, and Until the, until he comes back, we know, we know what we are to be doing. Verse 10, "The day of the Lord will come like a thief." And the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Alright, that's one verse that talks about everything I mentioned here. Um, everything we, uh, this earth will pass away, a new earth will be formed, and everything that happened on this earth will be exposed, meaning that's the, the time of judgment. We'll stand before God and he will look at us and he will say, you're not worthy. Um, and, but then for those who are Christians, he'll say, but Jesus is worthy. Therefore, you are worthy. Come on in. And for people who don't know Jesus, he'll say, you're not worthy. And you're not worthy. And For people who have rejected Christ, that will be a very, very horrible, horrible moment. And so we live here. Wanting to make sure that everybody who ends up in that moment ends up being covered by the grace of Jesus. Having the opportunity to know who he really is. Um, and so that's what he's saying. He's like, look, this is, this is happening. This is happening. God has, is stirring us up to do the right things here in between the Advents. Verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So that's what we're waiting for. And so the question is, how do we live in between them? Verse 11 And twelve verses eleven and twelve, but really, uh, eleven tells us: since all these things are are thus to be dissolved, okay. Basically, since all this stuff is going to pass away, none of this stuff is eternal around us. um, What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live lives of holiness, godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. That's what this midway time should look like. That's what time between Advent 1 and Advent 2 should look like. That Christ in you, the hope of glory, He's still here and active and working. Okay, so don't see this Advent 1 Advent 2 as there being some big absence of Christ. He's not here bodily, but He's here dwelling in us and working through His Spirit in us. And so there's this non-stop activity. And so what are we supposed to be pursuing? Holiness... Godliness. So do you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you? Holiness and godliness, that's it. He says, be holy because I am holy. When Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me, he's saying, I'll train you in holiness. I'll train you and godliness, and righteousness. I'll train you to be just like me. That was the point of following a rabbi, was to become just like him. And so he's like, you want to be like me? Um, then your life cannot be all about you. It can't be. And so, what, what, what does your life look like in between these two advents of, of Jesus? Does your life look like a life of self-denial? I'm not trying to make it awkward, because but it's awkward for me to think about. Would I describe my waiting in that way? Would I describe the way that I'm existing in full view of this and knowing all this is coming? Is my life a life where I'm really legitimately denying myself? Or is it filled with self-indulgence and just kind of doing what I want and... Being like, well, grace will cover that. And grace will cover that. And God, it's not conditional love, so He has to love me anyway. And this, and this, and this. Because when I when I consider the whole timeline, there's not a drop of me that's like, oh, I really just want to like embrace mediocrity. You know, I really just want like a very like halfway walk with Jesus. I want to do just enough to be in heaven forever, but not so much to like, have to say no to all this like, really fun stuff that happens here right now. But it's when I lose sight of the timeline, I lose sight of the goodness and faithfulness of God and who He is and what He offers to me and what He has done for me. When I lose sight of all those things, there's just stuff in this world that looks really, really appealing. You know, it looks really, really fun. And I convince myself, like, no, that would be, that would be awesome right now the whole time Jesus is saying, just deny yourself, man. It's about holiness. It's about preparing. It's about being found pure and spotless, just like He's made you. So He says, deny yourself. And He says, take up your cross every day. That's really a way of saying, you know, it's it's about the will of God be accomplished in my life, no matter what it costs me today. So some days, it probably costs me very little, and maybe other days, maybe it costs me something I don't really want to give up. He you know? said, so, no, that's what it's got to be. And if you've denied yourself, and taking up your cross daily, that's comes right after it. But you can't take up your cross and say, whatever your will is for my life today, no matter what it costs me, and still be all self-absorbed. It doesn't work that way. So he says, "If you want to be like me, you want to like learn to be holy. Uh, I'll train you in holiness, but you got to deny yourself." And then, from from a place of self denial comes this willingness: to say, "Whatever today brings, I'm in. I don't care what it costs me." And he says, "Then just follow me," which I've talked about this many times before. Follow me just means uh, you, we just find ways to imitate him. We live our days as he would. So we study them in the scriptures and we learn from each other in community and we go and we implement that stuff. So verse 11 says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? He said, "In, in light of this entire timeline, this is what your life needs to look like. So if you want to live well between the Advents, you want to we want to get the most out of this season as far as like what God has for us? Learn from the Old Testament saints. Learn from the New Testament saints. Learn from everywhere around us. And quit settling. We've got to quit convincing ourselves that sin is so fun. Or not a big deal. And recognize that, no, holiness, like that's, that's it. Holiness and godliness. And then he says in verse 12, Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. We're waiting for it, right? We're waiting for the day of the Lord. That there aren't, uh, like, weeks and weeks between times when we think about the second coming, that we're building this into our daily lives and our daily, uh, like, our rhythms, you know, those routines that we have, that as a part of our discipleship, we're not losing sight of what's to come. We've talked about this many, many times that. We, we live in the future, really. Our hope is thrown way down there. So, so we're to be waiting and longing, not just during Advent, but that's all the time for us. But then you notice it, it says, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Haste means like hurry, right? We're hurrying this up. And this is a little bit tricky, but... The Bible does seem to say that God, he, He's ready and He knows when this is going to happen and all this kind of stuff. But it is connected to the obedience and faithfulness of the church. It's tied to it. So it's not really correct to say, well, He's just waiting on us. But it is correct to say, like, He's kind of waiting on us a little bit. That's not all of it. You know, we don't control history in that way, but this verse and there are others that say like man, the more faithful the church is to live in holiness and godliness and to live in the kingdom and to take the gospel to the nations and across the street and to like the more faithful we are to make disciples as that's happening, it's hastening the day of the Lord. It's 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 not necessarily moving it moving it closer in a timeline sense. Um, but it's us walking in obedience and getting, it, getting things to that point where he is no longer having to be patient with us. So that everyone comes to a saving knowledge of the Lord. And so it's not about us being like, all right, it's up to us, let's, let's make him come back. But we see the sovereignty and the working together and when he's like, look, I'm coming back for my bride at just the right moment. So you be faithful and you be obedient and you follow me forward and you don't settle for a walk with me that's that's filled with mediocrity and laziness and you pursue me and you be diligent and you do all those things and I'm going to come back at just the right perfect moment. They work together. We don't trigger him, but he's working in conjunction with us in this tandem relationship with the church. And so Advent is a time where we are sifting through those things and where we bring ourselves to him and we say, what is holding me back from living in the reality of the kingdom and all the things that Jesus told us and everything that Christ knew the hope of glory is about and all this is there. We bring ourselves before the Lord and we say, what, what needs to be purged out? Let's break free from all the goofy stuff that holds us back and all the ways we're settling for less and let's prepare for this that's coming. And we prepare by ministering and loving people and loving our Lord and worshiping. And we do all these things and they all work together. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Verse 13. But according to the promise, we're waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm going to Close out with this. Look at 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace. It says, You be diligent to be found by Him, alright, here, without spot or blemish, and at peace. If that doesn't describe your walk with the Lord, it doesn't have to stay that way. Don't sit here and, and, and let insecurities build up because you're, you aren't quite there. Um, I think it's, there's a big difference in, in someone who can say, like, man, I really am. I'm making every effort to pursue and be diligent, and I want that holiness. The difference between someone who says that, uh, that's really what's going on, and they're like, yeah, and I'm not quite there, versus someone who is just lazy and settling and whatever and being like, yeah, I'm, it's not where I want to be. It's like, yeah, you're not, you're not putting any, any steps in. You're not, uh, you're not making any effort. God isn't opposed to our effort. Our effort is, should not be about earning his favor, but he's like, no, you need to do work. You need to be diligent to be found spotless, without blemish, and at peace, at true shalom, completely synced up with the will of God. And so if you are not being diligent as a follower of Jesus, a part of Advent is, is working through your way through that stuff. A part of our waiting and longing and the expectations that are there of this second coming. It's about us getting in there and saying, All right, I'm tired, I'm just tired of the mediocrity. I'm ready to go for it. And Jesus is on board. So this should be encouraging. So don't let don't let anything weird heap some sort of weird guilt on top of you. Shake that stuff off. That's not from the Lord. The Lord's here to say, come on. Look at this old timeline. It's awesome. Be diligent. Be diligent. Next couple of verses, he addresses some uh, misunderstanding of some things that Paul said, and it's more contextual. And look at verse 18. Um, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I know, I know that if you are, if you are in Christ, your desire is to do that, is to grow. Nobody wants stagnance. Nobody chooses mediocrity uh, as they're like, man, that's what I really want to be when I grow up. But we all, can, we all get caught up and settle into it. And a part of Advent is busting out of those rhythms that are toxic for us and saying, no, I'm I'm choosing the greater portion. I'm choosing the greatness and goodness of Jesus. Now, I know I've talked a long time, and it's kind of how it goes, I guess, but uh, the application of this in your life is between you and Him. And so we're going to sing a little bit as a way of processing this, but I would just encourage you to not just shrug this off. If it's uncomfortable, okay, it's uncomfortable. And if you don't like somebody telling you that you need to be growing in holiness and godliness, well, guess what? Neither do I. But when the Spirit is the one coaxing us, it's about stewardship then. It's about us saying like, yeah, okay, I'm in. What do you want to do? And so as we sing, um, I pray that this will be a good time of response for us. Uh, so as the band comes, join me as we pray. Lord God, I'm grateful uh, for a text like this one that is filled with hope and goodness and tension and uh, whatever. I'm grateful for Peter and his willingness to push His family forward into uh, the fullness of uh, the gospel story and all that you have. And for the way that uh, the writers of the New Testament, they just refuse to appease uh, their brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm thankful for the way a text like this, uh, it's challenging in in the best of ways. And really kind of leaves the ball in our court and I'm sure that in a room like this that there are some who um, who really have been making every effort and been very diligent in pers- the pursuit of, of you and holiness and godliness and peace. And Spirit, I ask that you would encourage them. But I know that there is a heaviness that comes with a passage like this as well. Um... And so for those who have been lazy and settling and whatever, I just ask that you'd help us to be open to that kind of conviction and breaking and that we'd see the goodness of you loving us enough to refuse us, to just let us sit back and walk in less than abundance. That we would see it as a great demonstration of love and concern and... uh, We would trust your sovereignty at work. And so whether we're on one end end of the spectrum or the other or somewhere in the middle, we trust you, Father, to um, speak to us in the ways that we most need. Help us to respond, whether through singing or just sitting and praying or just listening. My God, that on a, a night like this where you you really, you make a choice to come to church, that we would uh, be able to leave knowing full well the the many reasons why you uh, brought us tonight.